0: My heart on these tracks, your train comes along. And it was all alright, now it's all wrong. That's just how
1: it goes when you're wrong. Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews broadcasting from Appleton, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona. And there has been a running joke going on on the podcast and amongst many Packer fans for the last three years that we are so tired of these heartbreaking playoff defeats that the team, if they're not going to win the Super Bowl, should just do us all a favor and get blown out for once so that early on we know that we're not going to win and we can start regrouping and moving on. And... The Packers took that advice, and then some yesterday, in a 44-21 to thrashing at the hands of the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Matt, this game, it, it's strange how quickly this game got out of hand because uh, you had a real... Quick drive by the, well, it was a long drive by the Falcons, but they were up 7 nothing before Aaron Rodgers ever touched the football. They were up 10 nothing at the end of the first quarter, and then when the Packers had a pretty productive drive and you thought game on, Aaron Ripkowski fumbles, and Atlanta goes right down the field and goes up 17 nothing. and I think all but the most optimistic Packer fans had a feeling that this one wasn't going to be won.
0: Yeah, it... Really, I mean, from the opening kickoff, I don't know what it was or if all the Packer fa- fans felt kind of the same vibe I did, but even coming into the game, it sort of felt like uh, my expectations got lowered immediately, kind of like as the game got closer, and then as soon as you know the first kickoff, basically the first drive, you're like, oh my God. And then <laughs> you're just getting completely wrecked by that offense, and when you couldn't answer back there for a couple of possessions, it felt like it was going to be insurmountable because you knew our defense couldn't stop anybody.
1: Yeah, you were hopeful because they were on such a, a ride, but then when things started to come out like Devonte Adams was hurt worse than we thought, Dronemon Allison, I didn't even know he got hurt in the Dallas game and then he ends up hurt. And so you're running, you're wondering who's going to even play, Morgan Burnett's banged up, and then you have the report that the flu was being passed around the locker room, then they have to, because of fog, they aren't even able to take off in time, they have to drive to Milwaukee and then fly from there, so they're hours late getting into Atlanta, so by Sunday I was pretty much thinking they were going to lose, and then... First play of the game, Kendrell Bryce gets injured, and so now your injured safety uh, in Morgan Burnett is going to have to basically play every down. And it sounds really stupid, but what, the first or second, uh, third down of the game, there was a third and six that Atlanta converted on, and then there was a third and 11 that Atlanta converted on, and for me personally is when I thought, yeah, this is... This is gonna be bad. <laughs> I didn't think 44 to 21, but i I predicted 41 to 27 before the game, and I thought for sure that was going to happen. Didn't quite expect it to get so out of hand as it did at one point, but uh, yeah, this is such a strange game, like Super Bowl 29, uh, 49ers versus Chargers esque, in that the competitive phase of this game felt like it was about two minutes long.
0: Oh, right, and I mean. We talk about it all the time, but I mean, just a matter of the attrition in this game. I mean, the Falcons largely healthy, and we had absolutely nobody left. And it just, it just, it's so incredible to watch that. I mean, we've seen it all year long, but even in this game, you mentioned first play, Bryce gets hurt. Um, and there was that one tackle where I think it was Jake Ryan goes up and hits a guy and flips. Was that Julio? He flipped.
1: Yeah, power bombed him.
0: Yeah, he labeled somebody, and then it looks like the other guy should have been hurt, and then, of course, he's the one who's down. It's just like you have no bodies left. You've got defensive tackles playing on the offensive line. It's just, it can't get much worse, and I don't know how you really expect. I mean, we we can break this down and get into as many things as we will probably, but I don't know how you expect that roster out there to stand a chance against that Falcons offense.
1: Yeah, let's get into all that. So, first things first. Which is easy to forget to do when you're a Packers centric podcast and a Packer fan is hats off to the Falcons because, as much as they destroyed the Packers yesterday, they looked pretty dominant against Seattle the week before. They have been on an offensive run that was even greater than the run that they had been on, that the Packers had been on over the last eight weeks. And so, um, you know, they, they still an 11-win team. Their their defense is iffy, but has, has played better as of late. But it's, it's hard to argue that uh, they don't deserve to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, and you can probably speak better to this than I can, um, having watched more of these games multiple times, but I can't remember the Packers ever getting handled that bad in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, you've seen some of those early 90s, Cowboys games more than I have but I mean just even in the games where they've lost by a couple touchdowns it just feels like you you could tell for right from the get-go you were just overmatched which doesn't happen very often in a championship game
1: yeah maybe the 93 or 94 divisional round games at Dallas uh 93 they hung in there for a while and I think it was 10 to 3 uh Almost going into halftime and then, um, I forget his name, he was number 30, Corey something, Harris I think, fumbles the kickoff and then Dallas doubles him up and goes 17-3 at the half, but this was a little different. The only one I can think that's even close is actually the loss to Atlanta in 2002 where if you uh, it, it felt like you turned the game on and you blinked and it was 21 nothing.
0: Right, right. But yeah, I mean, like you said, hats off. They're a really good team, and I think that you know maybe the defense is getting disguised a little bit, but that offense was so dominant against us that it didn't even matter, and it it probably will a little more in the Super Bowl, but I think they're pretty darn good. That's going to be a good game to watch.
1: Yeah, and I think Matt Ryan is going to be the MVP, and he has me convinced. Aaron Rodgers played great this year, as did Tom Brady. If either one of those guys got it, I wouldn't object to it, but I think if I had a vote at this point, it it would go to Matt Ryan.
0: Yeah, I think I agree, too. And I definitely would have fought for Rodgers because his last six, seven weeks was incredible. But, I mean, he also had a, a beginning of the season lull where Ryan has been pretty much on all season long. So it's hard to argue, especially after you saw what you saw yesterday and how dominant they were to, to vote against him at all. I'm sure he's going to take it home now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of nice. Is This is going to be the first time, I believe, since... Oh, I can't do this off the top of my head. But Kurt Warner in 1999 is the last MVP to win the Super Bowl. Um, I can't remember the last one to play in it. Um, Peyton Manning in 2009? Or no, Peyton Manning in 2013 would have been in it. And then Peyton Manning in 2009 and then Rich Gannon in 2002 all were MVP but lost the Super Bowl. So that's strange that it's been almost two decades since the league MVP won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um. But let's stop talking about the Atlanta Falcons uh, a little bit here and focus on our Green Bay Packers. And we talked a lot about Aaron Rodgers and the role that this offense has been on. And in my opinion, this loss, acknowledging that the offense did not play very well, this loss is 100% on the defense. And it's come up again and again, and I know they were shorthanded, and so it you give them a little bit of leeway for that, but it's ridiculous that a player like Aaron Rodgers basically has to be perfect for this team to have any chance to win at all, and I had been texting you that. I think I might have said it on Twitter that I don't know if I were Aaron Rodgers or Jordy Nelson or Devontae Adams, Jared Cook, Randall Cobb, the offensive line. I don't know how I could look any of my defensive teammates in the eye, or even want to ride on the plane back with them, because they've been freeloading on these guys for about four years, and as a Packer fan, I'm pretty fed up with it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was basically like the the first time these teams played this season, whereas Rodgers was basically perfect in that game, and they still lost, and now you come into this game with basically, even had he done that, you still would have lost, I think, because the yeah. defense was that bad. Um yeah, I mean, that's about as embarrassing as a performance you can have. I, I, I don't care, I guess, if you have backup corners in there and things. It's just, uh, uh, that was really hard to watch, and I think that it was kind of a little bit of an embarrassment nationally, and I don't I don't know if I really fault. It's hard to say. I, I don't feel like there was a lack of effort or anything. I think they were just put in bad positions, and it just it wasn't their day, and they just were clearly overmatched.
1: I think they were put into bad positions for sure. I mean, the blitzes that he was dialing up, where you got Burnett starting his trot from the locker room to try to blitz uh, Matt Ryan, it seemed like he was so deep into the secondary when he tried to run at him. I mean, those are blitzes designed to stop six-foot-tall quarterbacks from 1995 that are doing a seven-step drop. Those are not designed to stop the Atlanta Falcons. Um, My uh, old boss, who I still talk football with, I was talking to him today, and he said, it was like a Model T racing a, a, a Porsche, the way that our defense was trying to stop that Atlanta team. So schematically, it was really bad. But those players are terrible. And yes, you had injuries, but for the most part, outside of missing Sam Shields, those were your preferred starters. And they got obliterated. And yes, Atlanta's got a very good offense. If they would have lost, like the the way they lost the first game of the season or gave up 35 points or something you say okay that's a great offense 44 in a playoff game is unacceptable no matter who you got in the game if those guys are getting checks for it
0: and they clearly could have put up more too had we hung in there with them they would have put up a whole lot more than 44 points i think too so yeah. and yeah like you said i mean Demarius Randall goes in comes into the season being your number 2 guy that you expect to do that him or Rollins and he is just i mean i i go back to it's like the Ahmad Carroll days, I just can't remember seeing a guy who looks that out of place out there, which yeah. is so bizarre thinking of, you know, how he played well last year and maybe he was a little more masked by some of the better players out there, but he just doesn't look like an NFL cornerback at all, and so that is a guy that you drafted to be there, mm-hmm. and it's it's still not, not good at all.
1: So you mean that Ted Thompson, who we'll get into, but I think I might even blame more than Dom Capers uh, for yesterday, you mean Ted Thompson when he's trying to replace... Pro Bowl cornerbacks like Sam Shields and Tremont Williams should perhaps draft some cornerbacks instead of safeties and basketball players.
0: Yeah, you would think so. I mean, you got to like that he's spending the higher draft picks on him to you know replace an area of need. And I don't know, maybe the picks aren't great, but you've got to also look at the coaching too. For a guy to be that undeveloped and uncoached on how to just cover a guy as a professional corner who's been around for two years, I just I can't even fathom that how he would. He continues to get spun around and be out of position. I mean, that's a lot of that's coaching too. I don't think the guy's an idiot, and he's (laughs) athletic enough to do it. I just, I think he doesn't. I I don't know. He just doesn't know what the heck's going on out there.
1: Well, he was a safety. I mean, why are there so many guys on this team that are trying to play positions they didn't play in college? It's, it's like if you're trying to cover Julio Jones, perhaps you should uh, look at some of those SEC cornerbacks that covered Julio Jones in college. Like, I don't quite understand it's like they're trying to think too hard and be the smartest guy in the room instead of just like oh yeah Khalil Mack has a lot of sacks I bet you he'd get a lot of sacks in the NFL let's draft him and and granted they haven't been that high but that's one of the most condemning things right now about Ted Thompson is that since the complete defensive collapse in 2011 he has spent seven or I'm sorry 16 of his 24 picks in rounds one through three or I'm sorry, one through four on defensive players. So his first four rounds of the draft, ever since 2011, two thirds of them have been on defensive players, and this defensive team still stinks. And
0: yeah, they're constantly addressing it with their first round and second round picks, constantly drafting these defensive linemen and cornerbacks. And I mean, other than Haha, who I think on I think is good, but yeah. I, I I can't. You can't say that you can't upgrade from that even, but he is the star of this defense, really, because the rest of the players are so poor. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at a guy like Mike Daniels and Haha, and probably Morgan Burnett. You throw in there that are your three best players, and I think on a you know another a stronger roster, you look at those guys as good pieces, but you know not star players by any means. Mm-hmm. It's just surrounded by such poor other talent that you've drafted these fourth round middle linebackers and and cornerbacks that got drafted high that don't look good, and all these. Replaceable defensive linemen you've taken with first-round picks that are nothing out of the ordinary.
1: Yeah, they got Ha Ha Clinton Dix, and they got uh, you know uh, Morgan Burnett. They got a Morgan Burnett's a long-term guy for contract-wise. I don't know when that is up. And then you got Mike Daniels, who's a long-time contract guy right now. And they are thinking that they're John Lynch and Warren Sapp, and they're actually Dexter Jackson and Booger McFarlane.
0: That's right. how it feels which isn't a bad thing. I I'm, I'm happy to have those pieces on the team, but you know, you'd like to have a Clay Matthews and a Sam Shields, which you do have, but unfortunately they haven't been healthy for 3 years and you can't really count on that going forward either. So, you've mm-hmm. got to have those guys surrounded by more big hits and star players like we've talked about on defense to kind of make them even better than they are right now and we have none of that. It's just a whole average to below average players.
1: Yeah, Clay looks done to me as as yeah. an as an outside perimeter pass rusher, he's finished.
0: Well, I mean, you could tell me that if he gets healthy, he'll be great, and maybe that's true for three, four games. But he's going to get hurt again. We've seen it every year for what five years straight.
1: Yeah, well, that's I the mean, whole team.
0: He, he, yeah, that's true. I mean, but I mean, you can't count on this guy to stay healthy. He's he's very good when he's at his apex, and he's only getting older though too. So mm-hmm. to your point, and he's lost some athleticism. I think if he's healthy, he's still a great player. You just you know he's not going to be. So this is kind of it. It is what it is.
1: Yeah, you might have to his future might be in the middle at inside linebacker because that seemed to work for a while. He's he's decent at coverage, but uh he's doing nothing for anybody out there on the perimeter where he's not really I mean he's just setting the edge. That's a lot of money to pay to set the edge, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, right. Give give some money to Nick Perry. He can do that. And he's he's been much better than Clay has all of this year too. So I mean, you could get if you're going to pay that much money to a guy to do that, I agree. You can spend it better places much more wisely.
1: Yeah, and to defend the secondary a little bit, and granted Rollins and oh uh, Randall. Yeah, well, I'm not not too much. <laughs> um, but you have what Fifty million dollars and two ex-first round draft picks, or three if you want to throw in Kenny Clark and Dayton Jones and Nick Perry, all trying to rush the passer, and none of them could get within six feet of him.
0: Yeah, absolutely right. It's as much as we knew we were overmatched between the corners and the receivers against the Falcons yesterday. You knew the only way, and throughout the history of the NFL, the only way to compensate for that is through getting a ton of pressure on the quarterback, and all of those high draft picks and everybody else on the team couldn't do anything close to that.
1: Yeah. So, terrible effort all around by the defense, and you if Dom Capers isn't taken out by this, what will it take? And they had an eight-game win streak, I understand that, they got some turnovers, and so it might just sound like sour grapes or being overreacting to a loss, but... The truth is, this wasn't like 2014 where they moved Clay inside and then the defense started making plays. Or certainly not like even 2011 or or something like that where they were getting turnovers in bunches. Or 2010 when the defense was legitimately good. This defense didn't really do anything but hold on, be along for the ride for the offense's awakening in the second half of the season. And even while they were doing really well, they had the great game in Seattle where they forced six turnovers and they held them to ten points. But in that time, you also had, you almost let Matt Barkley come back and beat you. And it took an Aaron Rodgers, Jordy Nelson, insane bomb to steal that game. You had uh, Adam Thalen having 25% of his receiving yards on the season on Christmas Eve in a game where Sam Bradford played almost perfect and Aaron Rodgers was unstoppable, so it didn't matter you had an almost complete epic collapse to Dak Prescott and the Cowboys when you really only had to cover one guy up 21-3. to And so this defense, it's not like they had one bad day like 2009 or you could even argue some of those other years, 2012. This defense has pretty much been just standing in place, providing the other team with some uh, tackling dummies to avoid, waiting for Aaron Rodgers to get his turn.
0: Yeah, and it's this season. is for the last multiple seasons. Obviously, like you said, every playoff loss has been a defensive collapse or disaster. And I mean, down the stretch this year, when they played better, and and it wasn't even that good. It was against bad teams, really, and bad offenses that you let kind of run all over you with Barkley and uh, and Sam Bradford and things. So, I mean, even in the win you get last week, it's completely in spite of your defense. So I yeah, I don't know. I I I still don't, for whatever reason, foresee them making that change just because it's there's. They're so tight-knit, but you would think, I mean, you're just pounding your head against the wall at this point. You have Aaron Rodgers putting together one of the best stretches we've ever seen a quarterback have, and that still wasn't enough. And you got the Falcons. I mean, not that they're bad, but, I mean, you got to avoid a Seahawks team we thought was legitimately good. The Panthers didn't make the playoffs this year. The teams that you felt like you didn't match up well against and that didn't end up making it to the playoffs, you got a team that I think you and I both would have happily picked to play in the NFC Championship game, and you couldn't even... Keep close with them at all.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's not like they're a fourteen and two team, or like even Carolina last year, who maybe statistically was similar, but was fifteen and one, and you don't like your chances. Atlanta was eleven and five team, and they're playing their best football of the season. But we've seen better teams than this go to the Super Bowl. (laughs) Yeah, and we could talk about the offense a little bit here too, but it's going to sound crazy because I criticize Aaron Rodgers a lot on this show, and I have for the entire existence of it, but. Maybe this eight-game run changed me a little bit, but you talk about the MVP. I think it's Matt Ryan because of the way that's usually given out, but most valuable player is Aaron Rodgers, hands down. I mean, you take Aaron Rodgers off of this team, and they are five, six wins probably, and that was even more apparent yesterday, and I felt so bad for him and some of the offensive teammates that have done a lot this year, primarily the pass catchers and the offensive line. Because they don't win unless he's perfect. I mean, he had a 40-touchdown season this year. And he got really hot towards the end. But he wasn't abysmal early on in the season. In the four-game losing streak, they scored 32, 26, 24, and 25 points. And they got blown out in most of those. It's we've seen worse stretches by an offense to score over 20 every every game and and lose every time it's i, I don't know it i felt better about Aaron Rodgers is, is in his standing as a top quarterback of all time and and I'm saying now easily top 5 for me but I feel less confident that he'll ever ever see another championship because Right now, the way the Packers are constructed and will be constructed for the foreseeable future, I can't think of a single player in the history of the NFL that was relied on more to be perfect in order for their team to win at all.
0: Yeah, you're. I mean, you're right. You would have lost all those games down the stretch if he was even just good <laughs> against yeah. not great teams. It's it's hard to fathom that. And we were in danger of, we thought at one point, I mean, this team might go like 5-11 and 11 or something. They just looked so bad because he wasn't, A-plus Aaron Rodgers at the very top Of his game and you don't stand a chance Right now with the roster constructed as it is Without that
1: Yeah not at all and here's one fight That I wanted to pick Um, Oh yeah by the way here's a a stat that I Forgot to share earlier that our defense So Atlanta was 10 of 13 On third down that's the highest Conversion rate in any playoff game since At least 1991 when pro football Reference started doing that (laughs) so that's Nice job defense When you needed them to steal a few But the thing that has changed, and it's the nature of the modern sports talk, Uh, Aaron Rodgers was the toast of the town last week, and everybody talked about how he might be the greatest player of all time, and he's the greatest quarterback ever, this is the best run any quarterback's ever had. A lot of people are bailing on that and going, no, Tom Brady, Aaron's not even the best quarterback playing right now, which is what First Take had today, and that just drives me nuts, and uh, it, there's some statistics that I want to share in that, but it, there is probably a thousand hours a day of sports talk in podcasts and on radio and on TV, and 99% of it is, well, Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback ever because, <laughs> come on, and Tom Brady's like, no, no, no Tom Brady's the best because, <laughs> oh, geez, you know, that's the whole debate, and they <laughs> never talk about anything, um, but here it is. This is I shared it on Twitter, and... I just wanted to bring this up here. So Aaron Rodgers, his teams average 28.6 points scored per game in the playoffs. Tom Brady's teams average 26.5 points per game in the playoffs. The difference is Aaron Rodgers' defense gives up 26.4, and Tom Brady's gives up an even 20. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, 99.4 quarterback rating in the playoffs. Tom Brady, 88.7. Brady has not played away from home in 7 year or I'm sorry since 2007 outside of two games in Denver both of which he lost. This is not to say Brady is not good in the playoffs. It's to say that the reason Brady's got 5 championships and Aaron Rodgers has one is his supporting cast has been much much better. And you talk about yesterday like it's supposed to be Aaron Rodgers' fault because he didn't play great. Like we said, you shouldn't be expected to play perfect all of the time. Tom Brady would not have beaten the Atlanta Falcons yesterday if they scored 44 points. Why do I know this? Because teams are 2-65 all-time in the playoffs when they give up 40 or more points. One of those two to win was Kurt Warner beating Aaron Rodgers 51-45. to 45. This guy can't catch a break.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're right. On the Patriots front, not that you want to compare yourself to them because they're doing things that nobody's ever done, but, I I mean, really they have the same philosophy as we do in draft and develop. They've got a lot of guys nobody's ever heard of, um, but the things that they do a little differently is they'll go out and get free agents. They've got a few, and, you know, whether it's the scheme or whether it's they hit better on these guys, I mean, those defenses, although they seem to exchange players every year, are always really, really good. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, and and that's not to diminish them or, or Brady... It's to their credit that... They've built such a good system that they win 12 games every year. That's the difference between Brady and Rodgers. Brady wins 12 every year. Rodgers wins 10. And that's the difference in having to play an extra game and having to play more games on the road. That's not a slam on them. They've earned it. And I think it's part of the reason that, you know, the Patriots have drafted and developed better. They've used more veterans than the Packers have. I mean, if you look at all of the near miss plays like the missed fumble recovery by Jake Ryan or the fumble by Ripkowski or the missed interception by that whoever dude that played like an eighth grader trying to catch his first pass when he mistimed that (laughs) jump Um, I don't even remember who that was he was in for Bryce those don't happen in New England because they either have better players or they have older players and over the course of 16 games that probably is worth one or two extra wins a year when your quarterback isn't perfect and That is what really changes it for me. But on the Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers front, this is not an argument to say Rodgers is better than Tom Brady. I'm of the opinion now, watching so many different playoff games and delving into the playoff statistics, that I would say Rodgers and Brady and Steve Young and Joe Montana and Marino and Favre and Manning and those type of guys, they're probably all the same. And the number of championships and postseason success is almost entirely due to luck and teammates. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah, fair? Yeah, just
0: being lucky enough to wind up in a good organization that can put some, I mean, look at Andrew Luck right now. You could say he'd probably be on par with any of those guys talent-wise, but they can't put an offensive line around him. That's kind of like the bottom of the barrel for like high-talent guys or Phillip Rivers or guys like that. It's just all across the spectrum. I mean, you can be... Super Bowl champion five times over just because he had a better GM than the next guy.
1: Yeah, those guys can't even get to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But, yeah, um, so ugh, I, I don't know. Are you? Do you feel better about Aaron Rodgers as an all-time quarterback after this season?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think, honestly, I feel better about the franchise because, I mean, we had all doom and gloom and everything was wrong, and at least now we know that he bounced back and he can still be Aaron Rodgers again. Yeah, and, that's uh, true. I mean, you know, his career's not taking such a downturn so early. I mean, he's he's over 30, but he sh- still should have a lot of years left, and we were concerned that it was kind of heading in the wrong direction there for a while, too, so I think he's got a chance to really prolong this success and this high apex of playing so, so well, so I, I, I think I definitely agree with that. People saw him do things that almost no other quarterback's ever done, and I think talent-wise, I think most people are in agreement now at this point, at least I think so, that He's as good as anybody who's ever done it. He doesn't have the legacy or the, like you said, the Super Bowl championships yet to be considered generally in that conversation. But I, I would think most people would have him in their top five, definitely top ten.
1: Yeah, you would hope so. Although you got the Skip Baylesses of the world and all of those idiots, but I, I guess they don't really count. It's. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that doesn't count, and I mean, no matter who the quarterback is, you're going to have a guy like that, too. There's plenty of, you know, Tom Brady haters out there, and there's always been plenty of haters for every quarterback out there, at least, especially in the last 15, 20 years. I mean, yeah. you're, that's unavoidable. You're going to find some guy who just wants to have the opposite opinion, like yeah. Skip Bales constantly and rips on Rodgers. I mean, he's really one of the few that does that.
1: Yeah, even Colin Cowherd uh, was talking pretty well about him in the last month, and even chose Aaron Rodgers, uh, or, or took Aaron Rodgers' side against his family and said that his family sounded like a bunch. Of needy spotlight hogs
0: yeah and I mean those two guys are probably my least favorite two guys in sports media so I if those are the two against you I'm actually feeling pretty good about myself
1: so going back to the Tom Brady thing here's my question for you if Aaron Rodgers was playing the greatest offense of all time in the Super Bowl do you think uh, they would be tied at 17 with less than two minutes to go when he had 92 passing yards going into the final drive
0: Definitely not.
1: I think they'd probably be down about 65 to 0 if that were the case. Um, for those of you who aren't as. Uh uh, able to pick up on stupid clues to old games. That's uh, That was the scenario for Super Bowl 36 when Tom Brady took the field against the greatest show on turf Rams, tied 17. He had 92 passing yards, and I don't think they had had more than a first down or two in the entire second half.
0: Can you imagine this Packers defense against that Rams offense?
1: Oh, it'd be it'd ridiculous.
0: Been, it'd have been 52-21 50, or something <laughs> at that point.
1: Well, and even thinking about um, another, maybe the last game that was this bad for the Packers as far as the score is another reason why I couldn't necessarily blame Aaron Rodgers is he drives them down. They miss a field goal. He drives them down again. They fumble. Um, He had another drive where they go three and out and two passes were dropped. And certainly Aaron could have played much better yesterday, but this wasn't like 2001 where Brett Favre threw three pick sixes in a 45-17 to 17 loss where he gave points to the other team. I don't think Aaron Rodgers, he, uh, he had that one interception, but it was more of a punt and they still had to drive 70 yards to score. I mean, he did not play well, but it wasn't some kind of epic choke job that should have made it necessary that the opponent get 44 points.
0: Oh, yeah, I agree. The offense didn't necessarily look bad, but they made some key mistakes, and by the time, you know, you would normally maybe bounce back and overcome those, the game was out of hand already. You had nothing to do. I mean, all you were doing then is playing catch-up and playing against prevent defenses. Yeah, yeah, so...
1: Well, let's try to get a little bit more positive, because prior to yesterday, um, in my opinion, this had been one of the more fun two-month stretches uh, that I've had as a fan, and it's... Not the best to have the season end the way it did yesterday. But this game is not going to haunt me or tarnish this season the way that the loss in 2014 haunts me and tarnished that season. I think for the most part, I'm still going to look back on this season pretty fondly. And they had that great win against Dallas. They had an awesome beat down to the Vikings on Christmas Eve, they had that fun game in Chicago, uh, a snow game against the Texans, destroyed the Seahawks, so for me, um, with all of the injuries, you're playing a wide receiver at running back, I think that this year I will remember as a season that I enjoyed, and uh, it makes me think not only um, more highly of Aaron Rodgers, but honestly more highly of a lot of his offensive teammates, and even Mike McCarthy, the way he yeah. was able to figure out solutions.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that too, I I really think that it makes a difference in how you end the season because you come into this game and really you know you're not the better team and you didn't have a chance probably in the Super Bowl with your current roster construct which we've never felt that way after a season. I think we always feel like we're this team of destiny and we have Aaron Rodgers and we're going to win it all. Yep. And so I mean we can I can look back. I just kind of sat there and took it yesterday honestly. Like I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't throwing anything. I wasn't like ticked off really. I mean it was depressing, yes, but I mean you just kind of kind of expected it and whatever it happened. and But you had so many good moments this year. I mean, like you said, the Cowboys game was one of the best Packer moments we can remember. Yep. Uh, I, got to, I got a chance to go to that Vikings game on Christmas Eve, which was magical, and there was a lot of good games throughout the year. And a team that really fought through so much adversity, they were so banged up and still made it this far. I think, you know, seeing how it ended, I think we can more appreciate that and not feel robbed of a Super Bowl or anything. I think... Maybe, you know, five, ten years from now, this might be one of the more positive seasons I look back to catch McCarthy there. Yeah. More positive season <laughs> that I can remember and look back on and actually think of this one fondly.
1: Yeah, it uh, it reminds me of 2013. It's better than 2013, but it's in that way where 8-7-1 and one in a first round playoff exit. And I look back at that season as how much fun it was that Flynn rescued them in, you know, yep. Minnesota and then that great comeback in Dallas and the Rodgers epic game off an of injury. And so, You know, it doesn't bother me that they lost to San Francisco because they weren't going to go beat Seattle and and beat all of those teams. But, uh, yeah, it uh, and even some of the defensive guys, I think they need a total overhaul. But, um, you know, I I guess those guys, they, they at least were along for the ride. And maybe I don't think they all need to be cut, but they just need some help. Yeah,
0: I would agree. They're all good depth players, but, you know, let's pop a couple more on top of them so they can at least come off the bench.
1: Yeah, well, I think they, they desperately need a playmaker. But, um, yeah, the the thing you said before, maybe five, ten minutes ago, is probably the most encouraging thing coming out of this season is that at this time last year, we weren't sure Aaron Rodgers was ever going to be Aaron Rodgers again. And now he is. He's back. And he proved that that stretch was just an anomaly and that this is who he is, and there's no reason to believe he shouldn't be close to this for at least another few years.
0: Well, and look at how darn close you got, too, with this roster around it. Just yeah. basically him doing that, the offensive line playing well, him playing well, and that's, I mean, really, in, in short, that's about it. And you beat the one seed, and you won two playoff games when we weren't sure they could string together back-to-back wins against good teams. <laughs> yeah. You did that with just that. I mean, if you can put even, you know, a half a defense around him and some more weapons maybe, I mean, you've got a great chance to win a Super Bowl in the next couple of years. Nobody's really that much better than you if you can just get a little deeper.
1: Yeah, they got to build a defense that can win a... Uh, you know, a 24 to 17 type game because they don't have that right now. And Aaron Rodgers made a comment that we've talked about a long time on this podcast, even before today. They need to find a way to win more in the regular season so they can have more home games in the playoffs. It's ridiculous. Him and Joe Flacco have been, and I think Ben Roethlisberger, have been by far the most successful road quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. It's, there are other players that are abysmal on the road. Tom Brady's one of them. He has a losing record on the road in his career. It's very hard to win road playoff games, and the Packers have to do it routinely because of the way that they always have some kind of slump in the regular season or their defense falls apart for a month, usually November or October and so they have to find a way to win more games in the regular season to shorten that path and keep you at home because um, Aaron Rodgers is maybe the best cold-weather quarterback of all time, and if you can build a defense that can rescue him when he's not throwing for four touchdowns and 350 yards, then you have a realistic shot at to win the Super Bowl. But if you are coming through the wild card round, everybody always has that talking point. Get in and anything can happen. Well, for four straight years, nobody that played on wild card weekend will play in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So you need to get a bye. That's the traditional way to get to the Super Bowl. Probably over 30 or probably over 40 of the Super Bowl winners were teams that had a bye. You got to get a bye. Right. Um, all right. So how much do you put on that injury stuff? It's getting weird now that... Basically since this decade began, we've been one of the most injured teams in the NFL every single season.
0: Yeah, it's bizarre. And I know we've talked about this before. I don't know what you do to fix it, but if if I'm them, I take a chance and maybe just replace the whole freaking medical staff or something like <laughs> Yeah. It's what's happening is not natural. I mean, watch from game to game. Watch the Falcons yesterday. I mean, you don't see every time somebody takes a hit that looks hard, they're down. I mean, it feels like every time somebody gets hit, they're hurt. And I know it's not the players' fault. They're not just, because they're wearing a Packer jersey, instantly fragile. But you have (laughs) to feel like this isn't just a one-season thing. I mean, it's every year we're more injured than everybody else. And to this season was maybe, to the worst extent, you had almost nobody left. I mean, it's just... What what's happening isn't normal, so you'd feel like you'd want to make some kind of a change, but I just I don't know what.
1: Uh, well, you got to get rid of the cigarette machine out of the weight room. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's,
0: that's what we always talk about. That they must just like wake up for brunch and have bloody marys and cigarettes. <laughs> and, and
1: hey, it worked for us Lombardi's from. team.
0: Yeah, or maybe they need to start doing that if that's not what they're doing <laughs> now. Just start to treat their health more like those '50s guys just <laughs> just burgers and smokes. <laughs> but I mean, just it doesn't seem normal. I mean. We've, I've been on high school teams and semi-pro teams and whatever and that don't get nearly injured as much as this NFL roster does. I know they hit each other a whole lot harder than any of those things. It just It seems unusual that every game, like five or six guys are hurt.
1: And yesterday, I think it was every series, it, it felt like somebody got hurt. And we watch a lot of football. We watch a ton of college football. We watch every team in the NFL. And I watch a ton of old games. When a game from the seventies or the eighties when they're playing on AstroTurf that is like has the softness of a miniature golf course, you know, and people aren't dropping like flies constantly. It's unique to the Packers in recent years and it just doesn't make sense. It's entirely possible that they have just gotten the worst case of bad luck in the history of pro sports when it comes to injury. It's certainly possible, but gosh, you at least feel like you have to do try to do something different.
0: Well, if you're running a business, that's the last thing you can do is just chalk something up to luck <laughs> yeah. year in and year out. I mean, you're you're an NFL franchise, one of only 32, and you can't just say, well, darn it, that was bad luck. I guess we'll just move <laughs> on and hope it doesn't happen next year, especially when it happens to you for six straight seasons.
1: Well, they've been doing that with the defense, though.
0: That's true. <laughs> let's just Yeah, let's just add a couple of fourth-round picks as starters here and just hope to God it's better with the same <laughs> coordinator and everything next year.
1: Uh yeah, I I wonder who they would get if they would replace Dom Capers. Uh, you know, this time of the year, you, your pickings are getting a little bit slimmer. Unless you want to promote from within, but I don't know if that would change anything.
0: Well, I mean, being the Packers and not to be an arrogant Packer fan, but you would think that, you know, you'd have some options and somebody who sees a, an opportunity to do nothing but improve your, your team. Yeah. I mean, if you can go in, be a Packers defensive coordinator, make them number 13 in the league next year, and they win a Super Bowl, I mean, that looks pretty darn good. Yeah. I mean, you, you don't have much room to go about but up.
1: Yeah, that's true, and uh, it would be nice to see if they explore that opportunity. Uh, what about Ted? Elliot Wolf turned down the San Francisco 49ers job, or at the very least, withdrew his uh, candidacy for it, and accepted supposedly some tor- tr- uh, some type of multi year contract to stay with the Packers. And he, I, I would think Ted is still safe, but in you know, following up on the conversation we had just had about how terrible his efforts have been to try to fix this defense over the last five years. Do you wonder if uh, maybe he's thinking about moving on?
0: Yeah, I I mean, you would have to think so. I think that in itself is a sign with Elliot Wolfe staying around. Um, I mean, I know the 49ers roster is terrible, but really you get an opportunity to go in their clean house and start from scratch with a, a historic franchise. I mean... Unless they told him something else about they had somebody else in mind, I would think that that would be a pretty darn good opportunity for somebody like that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, maybe there's stuff more to come. Obviously, we wouldn't have heard of anything yet this soon after the season's done, but that'll be, I think, our biggest storyline from the offseason is what happens with that with Ted and with Dom, I think, for sure.
1: Yeah, it is possible, too, that Elliot Wolf just wanted to avoid that dumpster fire that San Francisco's become.
0: Seems yeah, to be I mean, a career killer. It does seem to be some bad ownership. I mean, when you fire three coaches in in three straight seasons, that's probably not a good sign. But you know, again, it, you're starting from scratch, and he you would think most people who are not GMs would be pretty excited to do that.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, but I don't know. It's it would be hard to trust those guys, and you got a lot of work to do. So, and if if he was given some kind of hey, just wait a couple of years, and this will be your job, so maybe there's that chance as well. Right. All right, the AFC game, in all honesty, I didn't watch hardly any of this game, and it turned out like I, I didn't miss much. The New England Patriots won, I believe, 36-17 to 17 was the final score. Uh, Tom Brady, as I bashed him for not being as good of a playoff quarterback as he's accused, played great yesterday. Um, of course, he won by 17 points the week before with a 68 passer rating, but um, I think Aaron Rodgers could have done that against Houston probably as well. Uh, Pittsburgh gets bullied quite a bit. What happened to Pittsburgh's offense just overnight? Couldn't do anything, couldn't get in the end zone.
0: Yeah, it's kind of... Well, I mean, having Le'Veon Bell hurt doesn't help at all because then the Patriots classically shutting down your number one option only has one number one option to worry about anymore, and Antonio Brown did basically nothing.
1: Yeah, but Um, even last week they couldn't get in the end zone in their win over Kansas City.
0: Right, and I mean, really, this is basically the... You look at the Packers and the Steelers both, I mean, they both kind of reverted to their first half of the year teams yesterday. It's almost like those flaws that they had been hiding because of excellent quarterback play and running back play just kind of, you know, come all crashing down on the big stage with a chance to go to the Super Bowl. And, um, I mean, they had a lot of games like that earlier in the year where even when Ben was playing, they just were kind of stagnant.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, they had almost identical seasons, just the Steelers didn't fall to 4-6. and six. They started winning when they were 5-5. Five and five. And even looking at it now, so the Steelers' big run of consecutive wins was Cleveland, Indy, the Giants at home, Buffalo, Cincinnati, Baltimore, Cleveland again, Miami with their backup quarterback, and the Chiefs. So not exactly murderer's role.
0: Right, especially defensively.
1: Yeah. Well, um, so the Super Bowl is set. It will be the New England Patriots at the Atlanta Falcons. And objectively, this is a really good matchup and, and should be interesting to watch. I don't know about you, Matt, but I am pulling quite hard for the Atlanta Falcons. Um, It's weird to think that Atlanta could win the Super Bowl, but uh, as Corey Bend alluded to in a comment that uh, he had on our uh, Facebook page today, and I agree with this wholeheartedly, that if Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl amongst lazy sports writers and sports commentators, which encapsulates almost the entirety of sports on television and radio these days, the debate for the greatest quarterback of all time will be over. Uh, despite that, yeah, Tom Brady's a few plays away from 6-0 and in the Super Bowl, and he's also a few plays away from 0-6 in the Super Bowl. But regardless, I mean, it would be hard to argue against a guy with seven Super Bowl appearances and five titles. But because of that reason and because that debate is so much fun, I really want uh, the Falcons to win. And I think Matt Ryan's been good enough that he deserves one.
0: Yeah, you're right. And it's almost not only because of Brady's accomplishments, but it's just like the steps the media has taken every single time he wins one. It's like when they beat when they won the last one against Seattle, it was like, Oh, I'm pretty sure he's the best, but we're not quite sure yet. It's like they all got into a huddle and decided that he's close but not quite there. <laughs> yeah. And that it's all they're gonna be like as soon as he wins this one, we're like, Remember what we said last time, we've gotta say he's the best now. It's just the next step in that progression and I think that's definitely what you'll hear. Yeah. And and not to argue against his resume, I mean he's in the AFC championship every single year and his the team is doing things we've never seen before. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's hard to argue against him. But then again, it's not like he. its There's still guys there that I think you put right next to him, too. So its I don't think it's ever a closed discussion, though. We could keep talking about it.
1: Yeah, you could say, well, t- Joe Montana never lost the Super Bowl.
0: Right, right, that's the argument for that, too. But I agree, I'm definitely going to be rooting for the Falcons. I won't be heartbroken if the Patriots win, but it's always cool to see somebody new, and I think Matt Ryan, who's had a pretty good career, he seems like a guy who deserves to get at least one, so I, yeah. I, I'm going to be pulling for them.
1: Although, Matt Ryan, I don't think he's, um, you know, when, when he's just out and about, he's just like a normal-looking guy, but he looks like... Uh, when he's got that helmet on, he he looks kind of scary to me. Like I don't know, he, I expect almost like alien that when he cheers, a little Matt Ryan head's gonna come out of his mouth. It just is, uh, you know. That's a cheap shot to take at a guy who just kicked your butt yesterday, wow, but yeah. it's just it's he's he's could be in that uh, Nick Foles bird club once he's got that uh, helmet on. <laughs> Definitely
0: in the bird in the bird club, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's gonna be kind of weird if he wins one because it seems like there's so many quarterbacks throughout history that are you know, kind of Matt Ryan, where it just like, it doesn't seem like they ever get this glory in an opportunity. I mean, maybe an opportunity, but they never win the Super Bowl. It seems like if they're on these like kind of like these Dan Foutsian teams or whatever on these kind of smaller market teams that are just always really good, but it's just like nobody expects them to win a Super Bowl. So it'd be kind of cool to see him win one for all those guys.
1: Yeah. And it brings up the interesting question. So if Matt Ryan wins, you'll have a ridiculous number of quarterbacks from this era that have won Super Bowls. Because they're really, even with Tom Brady and Peyton Manning being so dominant, they haven't been able to monopolize the championships the way that Montana was able to and Aikman was for a brief period. You can't put them all in to the Hall of Fame, can you?
0: Ooh, that's tough. Well, I mean, at this point in their careers, I mean, Flacco and Russell Wilson aren't in. Um,
1: yeah, and and I think that if Matt Ryan gets a Super Bowl, it absolutely slams the door on any faint hopes for Phillip Rivers or Tony Romo.
0: Yeah, and I don't think either of those guys are Hall of Famers. I think there'd probably be some people who make a case for Rivers, but I don't think I would put him in. But, yeah. I mean, Matt Ryan's had a good enough career where maybe that's the, the difference maker for him. Um, but, but I think a guy like Roethlisberger
1: he's got to go in because he's had some really good seasons the last few years that weren't just... Oh, I agree. Yeah. I
0: think he's in for sure at this point. But if he didn't win two Super Bowls, I don't think it's that clear cut.
1: No, does if Matt Ryan wins a Super Bowl, does that keep Eli Manning out of the Hall of Fame? Especially he will have done what Eli did and beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl.
0: Right. But I... That two Super Bowl club, though, I feel like even if it's not immediately first ballot, someday those guys are going to be the legacy. And, you know, guys like the Kenny Stabler, he's way more deserving probably than Kenny Stabler was.
1: Yeah. And actually, so, he only won one. Jim Plunkett won the two with uh, with the Raiders. And he's not. So I'm
0: sure if, if you win two, you're going to get in someday.
1: Yeah. Well, and by the way, Jim Plunkett, on my little uh, graph that everybody should check out on the website, is the most fortunate of quarterbacks. His opponent. Uh, uh, the opposing teams only scored 12.9 points per game against Jim Plunkett's Raiders.
0: Wow. Um, <laughs> that's really good.
1: Yeah, and actually the best is Bart Starr, only uh, 12.1 points. So that's partially the reason that Bart Starr has a nine and one postseason record. Yeah, um, the best playoff quarterback, in my opinion, and that's what should perhaps get him in the Hall of Fame this year if he is a finalist. Uh, I, I haven't seen the list. Uh, Kurt Warner has a nine and four record in the in the. Uh, Playoffs, got his teams to three Super Bowls, won one of them. On average, fifth highest total amongst uh, quarterbacks who have started at least 10 games, where He has had to, his opposition has scored 25.4 points per game, and he leads them all. Out of every quarterback who's ever started 10 games in the playoffs, Kurt Warner has the highest points produced per game at 29.6. So he's had to win shootouts and was able to do it to get to two Super Bowls and uh, win almost all, or I'm sorry, get to three, win one, and almost win the other two.
0: Yeah, and he is, uh, I don't know if they've announced the finalist finalists. I know they've got like the pre-qualification guys, but there's like 25 of them. So but Kurt Warner is definitely a part of those, and I agree. I think he deserves to be in.
1: Yeah, um, Daniel Johnson actually asked about that quick, and I wanted to see if we could have some real quick conversation on some guys that should get in. Oh, gosh. I'm Xing out a bleacher report because all of a sudden, I hope you guys couldn't hear that, but some really loud oh. uh, song started <laughs> playing you in my ear. That. Um, Terrell Owens, I'll just say, I think Terrell Owens has to go in. Yep. Um, LaDainian Tomlinson has to go in. Yep. Uh, Kurt Warner has to go in. Um, I don't know about some of the older guys. I am i don't know if he's still a finalist, but I'm really upset about Steve Atwater being a finalist and Leroy Butler not being. Mm, yeah. Uh, both of them were safeties on the all-90s team, so maybe that'll help uh, get um, Leroy Butler in if uh, Atwater was able to be. But you got some weird ones in there, like Brian Dawkins, Jason Taylor, um, any of those guys? Ty Law?
0: Oh, I, I to me, Jason Taylor, to it's tough. I mean, he played around. in Miami. I hate to judge him too much. I know he was great, but like, yeah, those guys are kind of all in the same boat, aren't they? They all were kind of considered the best at their positions for a couple of years and I think could probably make it, but I, you don't look at any of them and be like, oh yeah, for sure, guys. I don't know. Yeah. like I. I think maybe, you know, in that order, Dawkins, Taylor, and Law is maybe how I'd put him in.
1: I think I'd put Taylor ahead of Dawkins because he did, I think in 06, was Defensive Player of the Year. So I think that helps him a little bit. Um, What about guys like, I think Terrell Davis should perhaps go in, but then that's a lot of... The thing that hurts him here is that he's side-by-side with LaDainian Tomlinson.
0: Yeah, and he look, he's only got a six-year career span, too, and those a couple of years were amazing. But, yeah, that that's that's a really weird and hard one. He's, I think if if he goes in, I'd like to see a guy like Sterling Sharp considered a little bit more, too. Yeah, so maybe I should root for him to go in, then. Yeah, maybe. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys that are fringe guys. I guess that's probably what you have every year. But I, I think I agree. LT's definitely your headliner, I would think, from this class, though. So.
1: And speaking of short career guys that... I'm surprised got this far, but if I don't think they'll ever get in, but maybe is deserving. If you're going to go with a Terrell Davis type, as Tony Baselli is on the list, yep. and um, he was incredible as a player, and he's one of the few linemen that you know you hear people talk about different linemen and they're the best ever, and you just kind of take their word for it. He's one of the few that you actually notice, and uh, they when they played the Bills. In the wild card round in 1996, um, Bruce Smith then was still a really good player, and Tony Baselli just completely shut him out, and it was ridiculous. And so uh, he's he's a good one on there too. Sure. Um, many of the super old ones I don't have in front of me, so um, so I guess that's who I would advocate for in sort of a loose order. Uh, Real quick, let's get to some of the Facebook comments. Um, Eric Hansen says, This is probably the calmest I've ever felt during a playoff loss in my short life as a Packer fan. Well, it sucked to see your favorite team get blown out. I I didn't think they were going to win this game going into it. Also, comparatively speaking, this wasn't nearly as devastating as losing in the final seconds in dramatic fashion like we've seen in the other games. Super Bowl 32, the catch two, et cetera. Further, this team really did much better this season than I think any of us could have hoped for. The Packers finally beat Eli's Giants in a playoff game. They finally won a playoff game in Dallas against the Cowboys. Overall, right now, I still feel pretty good about this season. Congrats to Atlanta. You were the better team purely and simply. Um, so, And then he's got some other comments. So I'm almost in total agreement with that.
0: Yep, yeah, nothing to argue with there.
1: Uh, and then uh, Omade, he uh, responds and says, I think uh, Mousley is the last name. I'm sorry if I um, I'm, I'm terrible with names. Uh, so the Packers season has come to an end in a way that leaves me with no regrets. The team played their way from 4-6 and six to the cusp of the Super Bowl. Unless the diehard fan who thinks this team will go undefeated is talking no one had hope for the team to make the playoffs at that point. The defense is an absolute joke except Clay. No one tried Dom Capers can't coach a peewee team let alone an NFL defense Ted Thompson can't put together a decent defense to save his life. A decent defense for Aaron to have will give that the team titles. 2010 anyone but then again undrafted players can't really cover who Leo Jones. Um, There's a good point to that, and we've talked about that a long time, that even that argument that you just have to have a good enough defense, like you were talking before, genuinely I agree, but... The only number one defense Brett Favre ever played with was the only championship he ever won. And the number two defense is the best by far Aaron's ever played with, and that's the only Super Bowl he won. So um, I don't think defense wins championships because the Atlanta Falcons perhaps are going to win one with the 27th-ranked defense, but it's got to be better than what the Packers have been wielding lately. Right. Uh, Daniel Johnson, Atlanta gave us opportunities and we couldn't take advantage of them. I had a feeling we were overmatched and would lose by 7 to 10 points. It obviously ended up being worse than that. I remember this as a good season with a historic run to the NFC Championship game. We have to get the defense figured out, though. Um, and then we talked about the Hall of Fame class. And then uh, Corey Bend has a few comments to wrap it up. Bye-bye, uh, Dom. If this doesn't give him the boot, I'm not sure what should. Since the Super Bowl run, his defenses haven't even managed one top-ten finish in six tries. And now that's three playoff meltdowns of 40-plus points. I know Atlanta is good, but a professional organization of any kind can't continue to allow such spectacular failures to keep. Happening, And I believe Tom Brady only has three games of 30 or more points on his playoff uh, resume as far as points allowed. Hmm. Um, it's time for Ted or whoever ends up in charge to go as Aaron Rodgers hinted after the game. I guess I didn't catch that. Did you? Uh... I didn't either, no. Okay, I'll have to seek that out. Draft and develop has been a nice strategy, but it won't be enough by itself to get Rodgers a second ring. We're picking 29th in the draft, and the entire defensive personnel needs an overhaul. We're probably not finding superstars at the 29th pick, and we sure aren't finding enough successful players to fill all of our holes. We have cap room. If the front office is serious about winning another Super Bowl before Aaron retires, it's time to get him some help. If you can cobble together a defense that can be counted on to hold opponents even under 30 points, that's probably good enough. Um, I think you got to do a little bit better than that, but I think your overall is is correct and uh, go Falcons in two weeks because bleep the Patriots I'm already dreading hearing every pundit (laughs) declaring the best quarterback ever question definitively closed Um, we talked about that before and then uh, he has some other supporting stats based upon the points allowed per game in the playoffs Um, so head over to Facebook and share your comments and read the comments of uh, some of our very intelligent fans so uh, man it's it's weird that the season's over
0: yeah, kind of abrupt. For, I don't know why it feels that way. I just I feel like they should have a couple of more games. It just didn't feel like that was final enough. Maybe it wasn't heartbreaking enough as we're used to. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm not depressed like I have been the day after playoff losses the last few years, and especially this late. I mean, think of the other two uh, NFC Championship games we've lost in recent years, and those were two of the most painful days ever the day after those, and I'm not feeling any of that today. Yeah, right. Um, I don't know. It's... Uh, it's always weird this time of year because I love football and it's, it's, I look forward to it all year and I love watching all of the games and I love watching old games. But there is a sense of relief to me once the Packers lose and you kind of get over that initial pain <laughs> that, wow, I can kind of get back to living somewhat of a normal life and maybe go to the store on the weekends instead of right. watching, you know, college football and all this kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's, it's kind of nice for like a month or so, but then you, you kind of long to have it back again and you just would, Give anything to watch any sort of football game, but I agree it's kind of a nice feeling this Sunday. It's like, well, I got the whole weekend; like I can do so much <laughs> stuff and get so many things done. So, it's it's kind of a nice temporary relief. But I know come March we'll be desperate to have some football back and we're just waiting for the draft.
1: Yeah, agree completely. Uh, Super Bowl pick? Who you got?
0: Uh, I'm gonna go Pats. I think here I, I was really impressed with Atlanta, but I think that defense can hold them down a little bit and. It just seems like no matter who the Patriots are throwing, two guys are open and guys are getting down the field and scoring. So I, I, I think it'll be high scoring and exciting and a good Super Bowl. But I think the Pats get another one.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I, I hope that is not the case. But New England, what they have, the number one scoring defense in the NFL this year. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's not quite number one versus number one because usually that's yards and and whatever. But. Most of the time in Super Bowls past, if the number one defense is playing the number one offense, the number one defense tends to win.
0: Yeah, and it's not like this number one defense has a poor offense either. I mean, they, yeah. they've got to be, if if the Falcons are one, which I, I don't think they are, they're close, but the Patriots are 1A or 2 or really close.
1: Yeah, Atlanta's no, uh, most points scored second most um, yards, and New England is third in scoring fourth in yards. So wow. Yeah, so it is number one in... Uh, most points scored and fewest points allowed, so it is a one-versus-one in that regard. But yeah, this is more reminiscent of those 49er teams when they'd be, you know, I think they beat Denver one year when Denver had the number one scoring defense, and that's when they beat them 55-10, to 10. but the 49ers had the best offense and the second-best defense, so that'll, that'll happen in that case. All right, so if you want to get involved with the show, um, you can do so on our Facebook page, Green and Gold Forever Podcast on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter at Green Gold Forever. That's the number four. Um, you can uh, download the pod, or I'm sorry, follow the podcast by downloading the Podbean app and uh, following Green and Gold Forever on there. That gives you access to the complete archives all the way back to 2012. So this is the end of our fifth season on Green and Gold Forever. That's sir, hard to believe.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's been doing this for a long time.
1: Yeah, and so you can listen to all those episodes and if you want to feel a little bit more sad about the season ending there's certainly some heartbreaking more heartbreaking games you can uh, listen to the recaps of uh, on there and uh, so that's uh, probably the best way to uh, keep tabs on the show and uh, we're going to take off uh, next week I think unless Matt you really want to talk about the uh, Patriots and the Falcons and stuff
0: no, that's okay. And all the ridiculous Super Bowl coverage I have, or we could even talk about Lady Gaga a little bit. But
1: oh yeah, I think I'm good. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna take our uh, uh, a week off there, and we'll probably talk to you after the Super Bowl, and then uh, we'll we'll see what happens in the off season. But um, once again, uh, thank you for supporting us uh, this year. And I know we've gotten some new fans this year, which is awesome. And uh, thank you to the longtime fans that have been here since day one. And Listen to us, just two fans like you guys, uh, talk after games uh, for five years. And uh, uh, thank you so much for all the support you've given us over the years. And uh, we'll catch up with you after the Super Bowl. So for Matt in Altoona, I am Eric in Appleton. Uh, Take care, everyone. Uh, Thank you for a great 2016 season. Didn't quite go as far as maybe our wildest dreams would have wished, but it went further than a lot of us expected, especially a couple months ago. Uh, Take care, everyone, and enjoy the Super Bowl.